it's that Five Night of the Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Listen, you, you could be, boy, the Oilers, the Flames, the Senators. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of drama happening in Canadian hockey markets right now. Mm-hmm. Not so much in Vancouver. They are loving life in Vancouver right now. Off to an eight two and one start are the Canucks second in the Pacific Division behind a Golden Knights team that finally lost in regulation after pounding out the Colorado Avalanche. But no, it's not a great start for a Leafs team that has a player with his greatest start, despite the fact yep. that he's already been a sixty goal scorer. Leafs now five four. And two, the negative one goal differential. They were notably exactly five, four, and two a season ago, but they were four, four, and two before they won their 11th game against the Flyers. And that started a run for them in which they lost only once in regulation in November. They were just a a ball of flame Mm -hmm. in November en route to uh, more than a 110-point season. And then their first postseason series victory mm-hmm. in 20 plus years. Brent, 5 4 and 2 through mm-hmm. 11 games, two consecutive seasons. A year ago, there was some concern. Yep. But it, it was um, it was quickly um, extinguished yep. at this point in this season. Is there more or less reason for concern with this 2023 24 Toronto Maple Leafs team? I think there has to be more. I don't, I don't see a way that it can be less. None of the pieces, again, let me let me just hammer this point home. None of the pieces have fit on this team yet. Maybe John Klingberg is doing his job, but if that's all his job is, maybe he doesn't need to make $4.1 million in a cap league, and that's the only thing that matters. Noah Gregor's skating fast and, oh, and, and okay. shooting pucks, you know what? and he I, has a goal. I will not lump him in, but that is good. <laughs> yeah. Good job. You get a tick the for that. The guy on the PTO yeah. is, is, Great. Yeah, Zach, is uh, still on the team, you, so that's a win. You found your Zach Aston Reese, and <laughs> I did say, heading into camp, you're going to have to do that. So good job. You You were able to find that one. But the reason for concern is that None of the pieces have clicked yet. We know how it can go in this market when new pieces don't hit their stride early and how it can spiral. The other reason why you have to have more concern this year than last year, and I don't think the core four, core five, including Morgan Riley, are going to fall off a cliff by any means. There's no way they can sustain this level of production. Austin Matthews is on pace for 80 two goals. It's not going to happen. You are leaning on those guys to such a great extent that they are going to take at some point in time, a step back this season. That's not to say they're going to stop being great players. They're still going to be, but they are not going to produce like this. So I don't see the roadmap to it other than Bertuzzi, Domi, one of them to click with somebody outside of the top six to really have it. The other guy that I think does leave you one little bit of wiggle room for some hope, for some optimism, is if Matthew Nyes can find it and he is a player in the bottom six for you, maybe that can make you feel a little bit better. But compared to last year, I don't know how it can't be worse. It's worse. It's a lot worse. Um, It's worse because the players that they acquired in free agency were expected to do a couple of things, but none of those things were defend. Right? Like, there's not a lot of reason to believe that Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi all of a sudden are going to become shut down guys, 200-foot, selkie-type forwards. No. There's no reason to believe that John Klingberg is going to figure it out in his own zone at this point in his career. Nope. I, I don't see where the positive progression 
on that end of the ice exists for those players. Now, the counter would be that they're eventually, you would think, going to figure them the, figure out the offensive side of the game, which was part of the reason they were acquired. And I did understand the philosophy there. This is yep. a Leafs team that has sputtered in the postseason, not because they've been porous defensively necessarily. They've struggled to find secondary scoring. Those guys are supposed to provide it. So I understand it. Also, the physicality part of it. But this Leafs team, the biggest problem has been defensively. Mm -hmm. I mean, outside of secondary scoring, which again, maybe you can you can squint and see that that improvement. And spine. Spine's been a problem. This is a team that was able to overcome the loss of its number one defenseman for a month a season ago. And Morgan Riley, I get it, is also not Mr. Shutdown either, mm. but plays a ton of minutes. And, you know, it's it's easy to play defense when you're playing offense the whole game and yep. keeping the puck in the offensive zone because of the 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 forward core's ability to play a 200-foot game. I just, where is that? Coming from with this team. Oh, I'll throw another log on the fire of despair. TJ Brody is a year older than he's been at any other point in time. Also, maybe I'm just unsettled because seeing him without a beard is very jarring to me. We need Movember over. I mean, it's a wonderful cause and I love having a mustache, but he needs to get a mustache going ASAP because TJ Brody without a beard just looks mm. weird to me. But also we had conversations about him in the playoffs last year. What version of him were you going to get this year? I think maybe we can exhale a little bit that there's been a better version of him this year than in the playoffs, but he's also taken a step back from the guy he was early on in that deal. Father time, undefeated. We see it all the time. Mark Giordano is 40 years old, and they're counting on him to play a ton of hockey for this team. The guy waiting in the wings to save the day, and I don't think anyone actually thinks of it this way, in terms of defensive depth, is Connor Timmins, who I kind of like, but mm -hmm. let's not overstate what he is, and let's not pretend that he is going to be the one to turn this into a shutdown blue line. So, yeah, there's a lot of cause for concern. The big boys have been amazing. They're going to continue to be. But elsewhere, tons of questions. Brent, honestly, my and, – and I think everybody understands, including Brad for Living, that this blue line needs to look a whole lot different at the trade deadline. He did try to tell us he thought they were underrated at one point yeah, in the summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trotted that one out once and then uh, quickly stuck that back in the holster. The the path towards looking the way they're supposed to look as far as a win-loss record is concerned and, and looking like a superior team in the Atlantic division is, okay, Max Domi, Tyler Bertuzzi, get off the mat as far as being able to create offense. Which is not out of the realm of possibility. The power play continues to look like a top-five unit in the National Hockey League. Doable. And you get elite-level goaltending, which is, it's possible, mm -hmm. right? Like, it is possible for sure it's not necessarily the way we've we've viewed that position for this Leafs team over the last half decade and certainly going into last year there was yeah there was I guess a, a high upside with a former first round pick last year and Elias Samsonov and a guy in Matt Murray who at one point looked like the best goaltender in the National Hockey League and a Stanley Cup winner but I think the reasonable expectation for both of those guys I mean I said this explicitly yep. numerous times is like can one of those guys emerge as just like a passable like a Average to mm -hmm. slightly above average goaltender. And they got more than that out of Samsonov, who had his career best season. The ask is more in 2023-24 from the Toronto Maple Leafs goaltenders. Yeah, until until they straighten anything out. And to your point, like the they can become a better, tighter defensive unit, but I don't expect the pieces to change anytime soon. Let's uh, bring in our pal, Gord Stelic, as we generally do on a Monday. How's it going, Gordo? 
Well, Ben and Brent, it's um, it's going great. But, you know, just listening to you guys chat, it's kind of like, now your kids aren't old enough yet, but it's like getting the same old first report card of the school year mm-hmm. every year, right? Mm-hmm. And you've talked about it, and you've got a tutor, and you've done extra homework, and you've changed teachers, and you've done everything, and you're struggling in, uh, you know, with a 50-plus <laughs> or something. It's a, It's like, really, 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 we're doing this again? Yeah, except um, your kid, like, you're not looking at him later on in the school year potentially getting expelled, right? Like, he's going to get to go through the whole season uh, or the whole school year as as a student where where the Maple Leafs, yeah, it, 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 the the... The scenarios are a little bit different at the end. And we mentioned that the the exact same record through 11 games this season as they had a season ago. Gordo, like just in your opinion, is is there more reason to be concerned about this Maple Leafs team than there was a year ago? Boy, you know, hard. Again, they've had uh, since Matthews, Marner, whether it's year two of them, what have you, is the expectation has been a team that's on the rise that should have, we felt, supplanted the Boston Bruins by now. Of course, that hasn't been the case in the Atlantic Division and um, should be immune for ridiculously rough stretches, but we've seen it twice. I mean, once with Sheldon Keefe uh, having to come in for Mike Babcock, and the other was when they were battling Chicago for the worst team. And, you know, both times, to their credit, to their credit, uh, even though you viewed it as being unnecessary that they got that big deep hole, they got themselves out of it. Now, they're not in that kind of hole right now uh so you know it's again we kind of look at the ebbs and flows and you know are they ahead are they behind the changes that i i guess the one thing is there's a little bit about being inconclusive in that you're not ahead because the changes that were made by gradual living are not bearing any fruit right now and that that was sort of his imprint on the current team and then you start looking again I'm, i'm looking beyond the record but you're looking at d and you go Man, when McCabe and Lilligren get injured, who the hell are these guys are calling up? Like, you know, what happened to Rasmus Sandin, all these developing all these defensemen that the last one you've developed is Morgan Riley. So, yeah, so you're kind of you're kind of seemingly seemingly opening a more more pro, or more problem areas seem to be popping up right now after 11 games. Yeah, they they certainly are. And, you know, Gord, we've seen it in this market before where someone gets off to a slow start and it's just not the way they want. I mean, obviously, the poster child for this is Clarkson and the 10-game suspension. What do you think needs to happen for Bertuzzi to kind of get going here? I mean, I was hoping that all of the aftermath of the Boston stuff would kind of spurn him and maybe you'd see a bit of a hair on fire game from him on Saturday against Buffalo. And yeah, I don't think he was bad, but I don't think we, we saw that either. And, you know, Domi, he's going to wear a bit of that as well, but just with the, I mean, honestly, with the track record, the name has in the city and the fact that it's a lower cap hit, I just feel like the arrows are out for him a, a little less. Are you, are you concerned for how this could kind of snowball for, for Bertuzzi here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, always about if you can't get started, get off on the right foot. And I always say, you know, Brent, it's just like starting at work any other job. I think we've all had scenarios about something that we just didn't get off the right foot. And, you know, quite often it gets righted, but it, it, it can be a real problem uh, area. Now, uh, I, again, you know, you, know you, you really look at Nick Ritchie versus Michael Bunting, that Nick Ritchie was the guy who couldn't do it. And Michael Bunting was the guy who sees the opportunity. And we, we seem to believe that you know, Tyler Bertuzzi is going to be the replacement for Michael Bunting, and hopefully that's the case. And it really is still early, but for whatever the reason is, he hasn't been able to find his way, and he's been put in pretty good opportunities. And, you know, I, I kind of look back, and I'm thinking about the depth scoring because they've always had, you know, since they've had Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander, 
And what they need is, well, someone like Connor Brown who got 20 goals one year. Mm-hmm. Zach Hyman got 21 goals two seasons. Barry Kapanen got 20 goals one season. Naz used to get 31 goals a year, uh, two times. Mm-hmm. Even way back when, P.A. Parento got 20 goals. Mason Raymond <laughs> got 19 goals one year. I won't go any further than that, but I mean, that's what they need from one or two of those other players, and Tyler Bertuzzi certainly is expected to have those kind of stats. Yeah, and I mean, Matthew Nyes is maybe the, the guy that a lot of people would point to as they, they'd be a little disappointed in the lack of production there. But, you know, I do want to go back to, to Bertuzzi and what you said there about, you know, they made the choice. It was pretty clear to move off of bunting and go with Bertuzzi. And some of that was term related. Some of that was, but I think a lot of that was they wanted a player who had more of that jam, that bite, that nastiness. I mean, we remember that first game against Montreal this year. He caused Austin Matthews to get into a scrum. And we said, wow, is it really paying dividends? I mean, Gord, you You've heard all the discussion coming out of the Boston game. Sheldon Keefe talking about him hating the response. And I don't put that just on Bertuzzi. I mean, we know Reeves was brought in here to be tough. Domi obviously plays with a ton of that emotion. Are you surprised that we have seen, honestly, a pretty similar version of the Leafs in that regard in terms of standing up for themselves? Because, I mean, we've seen this movie before. Be it Simmons, be it Clifford. I mean, Felino tried to come in and be a bit of a tough guy on this team. They've just tried it so many times, and it seems like same old, same old over and over again yeah you know brad it's uh, it's you know you, you look and it's funny michael bunting to a lesser degree um because of his lack of discipline in the playoffs that was a negative against him so to a lesser degree than nazim kadri like those two guys departures in a lot of ways were predicated what happened in the playoffs but that's exactly the kind of stuff they want within a healthy degree out of tyler bertuzzi and the other players that came into the fold so you know i look at that thing okay the that whatever eight second clip on the bench. And it, you know, it is pretty telling. I think in Bertuzzi's case, he's actually pulling that kind of smile about you give me a break, Marchand, you know, that, mm-hmm. that more than, you know, some people think he's kind of just smiling you know, it's, but there's no question that the lack of any kind of just, you know, just reaction from a bench, everyone unloading all, particularly when Marchand's standing there, you know, and, I'll tell you exactly what, and the uh, Detroit Red Wings have got off to a good start. That's one of the problems for teams like the Leafs is there's a lot of teams competing in the Atlanta division. And if you remember early in the year, last year, you remember Brady Kachuk challenged their bench in Detroit? Oh, yeah. It made, yeah, it made them, first of all, they can't jump off the bench to fight him. You know, much like the Leafs can't jump off the bench (laughs) to fight Marchand, you're going to get a 10-game suspension. But they had a scrum. Detroit Ottawa did and Kachuk gave a little bit of a poke at the goalie and all five Red Wing players were on him now no fight ensued but it was just kind of an attitude about okay you know what we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna just turn the other cheek to that crap it's a little thing it's a little kind of reaction for sure and that certainly was something that did not happen in the Marchand Lilligren situation and yeah I mean it's it's a little thing but little things are big things maybe it was just a um, a, a weird moment, uh, uh, a not usual moment that it caught, but that's what got caught. And uh, that was a, a moment that they didn't seize the opportunity to so sh- show some bite, you know, some venom, some team unity, some whatever you want to call it, that, you know, Marchand basically got to either chirp or plead his case with only Ryan Reeves saying anything back at him. Yeah, I mean, we do this thing every time a player of of these guys ilk is acquired by the Maple Leafs, players with this physical background with uh the potential for pushback that you know will you be able to staple that to the core will they will they will that attitude become part of the Leafs cores attitude where it feels like the opposite is happening Gord we're like yeah this team that has its core four players playing extended minutes are the heart and soul of this team 
are impacting those players like Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, lesser extent, Ryan Reeves. Yeah, they're not going to be as physical as they've been in years previous because that's not the nature of this team. It feels like it's happening in reverse. Yeah, you know, so, okay, you got those four guys. You know, you've got to get your secondary scoring, you know, all these things. You know that going. But, again, as a team, um, you know, that that you don't go out and fight a guy anymore, but you just – that kind of attitude. You know, I go back where – People, and I, I mean going back a bit, but we, we'll, we'll talk about Joe Carter's home run, okay? Huge home run, we know. But there are other big ones. Ed Sprague got one as a pinch hitter, but also Robbie Alomar against the Oakland A's, who are a really good team. And I remember David Cohn was new to the Jays back then. And if you, people would remember Dennis Eckersley, when he struck out the Jays in the eighth or whatever, gave kind of the shotgun kind of thing, you know, kind of a show-up thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying he could not believe the Jays' dugout went crazy. Went crazy. Stuff we wouldn't have seen. Just absolutely went crazy. And that, you know, then Alomar hits the big home run in the ninth and they win that game against Oakland in the playoffs, what have you. And that's just the kind of thing. Like, yeah, we're really in the game. We're in the friggin' game, okay? Man. And this happened. It's unacceptable. It's whatever. And that should get that kind of emotion. So, I, uh, again, they say it's been addressed. Uh, is it, is it the root of a bigger problem? How do you, oh, adre- no. how do you address that, that that seems like, like part, that's a human trait, right? Like that's a human characteristic, and that can work. Like I take the guy that scores 60 goals that doesn't have that over the guy that has yeah 20 goals but is has that in, in spades. I understand that. But like the idea that this team is going to change, it just it, it, it feels – it's just impossible. I, I like I, I and I get it. That was the whole Kyle Dubas modus operandi at the at the outset. Is we're going to outscore you. We're gonna we're gonna get our revenge on the power play. But there was a concerted effort, I think, at the deadline last year to 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 change that in some of the players that they acquired to to add that. So I just like I'm I'm beyond my, having a belief that that's possible with with the four guys that are the heart and soul, the face of this team. I just don't know how it's going to happen because you keep acquiring players that are supposed to do it, that have track records of doing it, and and it it just doesn't wear off on anybody. Yeah, no, Ben. I guess the the I guess the point is it's been addressed, which doesn't mean it's going to change. So addressed, uh, they had to. But you're right. You're right. I mean, it's like my we'll, wife we'll, giving we'll, me a talking to. Yeah, yeah. She well, talked we'll, to me, yeah. Gord. Yeah. Well, we'll find out if you know, the, the proof will be in the pudding or whatever cliche you want on the ice. But no question, We're again, much like I talked about the report card, we're talking about this again. Know. You know, we're talking about yeah, what... That's a great point. Bunting, you are who you are. And, yeah, and Bunting brought that to the team and Kadri brought that to the team, you know. And and, uh, and so other guys, it's, it's just a minimum. It's a minimum requirement as a teammate that that's what you do. So uh, is it, like I said, is it something that you, you view as a watershed moment and move? I mean... Yeah, like it's it's. I thought two weeks ago when we talked about the coming back against Tampa Bay, and then that night, uh, excellent goaltending, withstanding the initial onslaught by Washington, winning that game. You know, whatever that the team was kind of on that. Okay, here's the path, but now we're back, and the big things are that the record isn't what it should be. The home record's not what it should be. That's the one I really I have trouble understanding why they can't make home a tougher place to play. But then something like this that's constantly bugged this team the perception and the reality that it's lacking, especially against the Boston Bruins who have it. That's exactly what they have. You know, that's, that's what you want. They're not the big bad Bruins anymore, but they're the Bruins that wouldn't take that kind of crap as a team anymore. And, you know, we know that. And that's what this Leaf team has to, has to figure out a way to be.
Yeah, honestly. And, you know, even you, a guy you mentioned, like Casper Kapanen, he was not running anybody over, but he was constantly chirping from the bench, being involved in scrums. And it's just that kind of thing. Players who are involved, engaged, and you really do miss it. Uh, last one for you, Gordo. You mentioned the goaltending there. Uh, Joe Wall, not his best game. I, I don't think he laid an egg by any means. It wasn't the reason the Leafs lost, but uh, he, he definitely had a few he would have liked to have had back. Uh, imagine Samsonov tonight. Uh, where are you at on Leafs uh, goaltending uh, a little more than 10 games in here? Fine, fine. I think different. I think Edmonton, boy, that's a different story, particularly if they <laughs> lose tonight to Vancouver. That's, but yeah, I'm like, I'm good with the goaltending. Like I said, it's it's been fine. You, you hope one of them get becomes is is the hotty, hotter goaltender when the playoffs start. But at least we're not talking goaltending woes. So so that that's that's a good thing to be able to move on from. It is. Um... Leafs need a victory tonight. That would uh, help uh, quell the storm a little bit. Losers are forced right. They got the lightning in town. Gordo, I always appreciate the time. See ya. Yeah, take care, guys. It was Gord Stelic. Yeah, the goaltending has been fun. I'd say it's a great way to put it. Yep. It's been 9.03. Ilya Samsonov has not been good. What's your Simpsons word? Cromulent? It's perfectly cromulent goaltending. Right. League average is 9.05 mm-hmm. this season. Last year was 9.04, 9.03, like right in there. That's yep. It's any anywhere north of 900 it's hard to get too angry at mm-hmm. and yeah there have been games where god I, you know I, I know you're about to make a point but i'm talking now the the <laughs> can you imagine what this team would look like if they had had some of the goaltending they'd have in past like do you remember the the old michael hutchinson starts where the oh first shot god. of the game went in and it was yeah. just like okay well we're gonna lose 11-1 tonight this yep. should be fun thank goodness that hasn't been happening with this no, team. you it's it's <laughs> You know what? And that's a great reminder that it's saying it's fine is actually great. The goaltending is great considering it's a great point. the alternative. It really is. And Gore brings up the Oilers. Yeah. They, they got a guy making five by five who's one of the worst goalies in the National Hockey League and Jack Campbell and Stuart but, Skinner. is like, I don't know, knows, maybe you can squint. Like, I, at least he knows it's his fault, though. And boy, does he know. That's great. But, like, <laughs> the Oilers go into a 60-minute hockey game legitimately – uh, not convinced that they're going to get league average goaltending on a nightly basis mm-hmm. and probably leaning towards, hey, we're probably not. We got to either outscore our problems or we got to just commit to defense because our goalie can't bail us out. Like our goalies are not league average. The Leafs every night have a pretty good idea that For the sure. goalie is not going to let them down. That's no, a good spot to be in. It's a it's a great spot to be in. And you mentioned the Oilers there. I was looking at both Alberta teams for a change of scenery trade of a like things aren't going well here, things aren't going well there. Uh, the Bertuzzi Hannafin one, I think I bandied about already. The idea of like maybe you do something with that. Obviously, you'd have to give a little more Hannafin a UFA as well, but uh, he makes less money. It would fit on the cap. The one that terrified me though was that Cody CC makes a totally reasonable amount of money as an Edmonton Oiler for this year and next. Yeah. And just like this team has so many other fish to fry, but I could <laughs> totally see Brad for living going, give me that rock solid defenseman who doesn't do anything. That's what this team needs. And on, honestly, Max Lejoie was in the mm. lineup for this team on the weekend. So right this very second, he might not be wrong, but I'd be lying if I didn't uh, have that thought experiment poking around in my brain. I'm going to reset the Leafs at eight o'clock to, uh, and give maybe the listener a chance to, to think about this. Oh. And I'm going to give you a chance Thank to think you. about this. And uh, we're, we're not going to have this conversation right now, no. but like how much better or are the Leafs better if they just wipe the slate clean. They just reverse course on John Klingberg and Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi and respend that money on league average players across the board. And is John Klingberg a net negative for this team? All right. Time now for something to chew on brought to you by great 
Canadian meets. A great Canadian is moving on from the only franchise he's ever known. Joey Votto not returning to the Cincinnati Reds. Now, he apparently wants to continue playing. The 40-year-old, just turned 40 on September 10th, completed his contract with the Cincinnati Reds, making $253,263,155. What are you doing? $253 million plus. More than $253 million with Love that. the Cincinnati Reds. Um, had a great career with the Cincinnati Reds, including one MVP award, bunch of top tens. Um, but yeah, he's 40 years old. And the Cincinnati Reds surprised everybody by being relevant. I think mm-hmm. most people thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the in Major League Baseball. And they were they were relevant. They were in a playoff spot for prolonged periods of time. But they're a younger mm-hmm. team, right? And they've said, thanks for the memories, Joey. And if you want to keep playing Best of luck to you. It will not be. That's it. Farewell and good luck. <laughs> I don't recall I don't saying good luck. <laughs> uh, so he's a he's a free agent. And by the way, Major League Baseball free agency opening officially today. So Are you going to be okay? Are you going to be able to temper your excitement? I will because Major League Baseball free agency does not work like the other sports oh, in okay. which it's like, everybody signs. It's free agent frenzy. I don't, I'll have to check the Sportsnet grid, but I don't <laughs> think there's a free agent frenzy show coming your way on Sportsnet today. Caleb Joseph chained in a basement going, please, somebody do something. So naturally, the conversation will shift to where is Joey Votto headed mm-hmm. next? Well, all-time Cooperstown. All-time great Canadian baseball legend Ferguson Jenkins on Twitter tweeted out his congratulations to Joey Votto, who, by the way, had a nice three-minute video thanking the people of, of Cincinnati. Three minutes? Yeah, it's long. They deserve it. That's fine. It's just it's jarring. It's a lot to say. Fergie tweeted out, what, it, uh, what a run it was, Joey Votto. CC at Blue Jays. What do you think he's getting at there, Ben? So naturally, the discussion now centers around Joey Votto and his hometown team, the Toronto Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. He's obviously not the, the, the fix-all elixir, and who knows how much he has left in the tank. He hit a bunch of home runs for as limited amount of baseball as he played a season ago, 14 homers in just 65 games, 242 plate appearances, but at least one all-time Canadian legend, Ferguson Jenkins, is putting Mm -hmm. some pressure on the Blue Jays to at least have a conversation with Joey Votto. Yeah, I think, honestly, you you brought this up to me, I don't know, a week or two, two ago, and the thing I've maybe, I wouldn't say amended my thinking, but I've thought about with it is it, not to say the production doesn't matter. Obviously, if you're going to sign him, you need him to do something. But that would be 1,000% a... And again, it's not that he is washed as a player. He's not completely cooked, although I'm not sure how much is left there. But it it has to be almost personality-driven. What was all the conversations we had about, did this team have the right mix, veteran leaders, guys who have been through the wars, yada, yada, yada. The only... I shouldn't say the only way, but the biggest piece of the puzzle he would have to check for me is that part of it? Is he the right person mix? And whatever that is. And I think we all think of Votto as a great clubhouse guy, but a lot of people think of Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez is that too. And it was seen that that was the problem. Now, I'm sure maybe there's a little bit of a change in thinking in that regard, but that's where I, I go to with, with Votto and the Jays. It'll be interesting to see if the Blue Jays engage with him at all. Like it would be considering well, d- the if name they engage, recognition. If they engage at all, don't they have to do it? Like if they... It does if if there's any tiptoeing in the water, it has to be to do it right. You can't be seen as 
kicking tires and then saying, ah, no thanks. Well, that's it. I mean, they just signed Brandon Bell to a one-year deal mm-hmm. just north of $10 million bucks. I, I Is Joey Votto going to make that much? Are you sure that Joey Votto can give you the production that Brandon Bell had? Now, granted, Brandon Bell was coming off an injury-plagued season. He wasn't 40, but he's 35. Mm-hmm. He had injury concerns and the production at the end of his Giants tenure. Yeah, there were real question yep. marks about whether Brandon Bell could could be a viable option for the Blue Jays as a DH. There were stretches during the course of the season. He was the team's best hitter. He he absolutely was worth the money for this Blue Jays team. I mean, Joey Votto probably fits that mold exactly the same as, as a Brandon Belt, and you probably have the same amount of faith that he'd be able to to produce as you did in Brandon Belt. And it must be said, the Brandon Belt move, it, it worked for the that Blue Jays team. I mean, they, they were a team that was loath to score, but mm-hmm. imagine where they would have been without Brandon Belt being the team's best hitter for long stretches of time. It worked, but it I feel like we think it worked because of how many other problems and concerns there were. I think the idea of having a guy who can effectively only, I mean, you know, he could play first as well, but who can effectively really only DH for you on a team with, and you know, it's a little overstated, but you know, some older guys like Springer's going to need his DH days. Vladdy is going to need his DH days. Bo, not as much, but if he's going to play all 162, you're going to need to DH him occasionally. And having a guy who is just there as a, uh, he's your DH. It just kind of gums up the, the thing. Not say, you can't do it, but the reason we were so okay with Brandon Belt in that spot is because we had so many other things to complain about. If it would have been, ah, this person's not getting the days off they needed, they're not getting their feet off, and he was hurt for a chunk of the season, so we didn't have that conversation. As and well. how do you handle an all-time Canadian legend mm-hmm. when he doesn't perform yes. well, when he's not a capable major league player? Can you just turn him into the hitting coach halfway through the season? People hey, would love that. You, if he would have been here to have turned him into the hitting coach halfway through the year, oh my god. It's it's a tough it's a tough conversation to have with Brandon Belt if he's not hacking it at eleven million bucks and boy there were conversations remember mm-hmm. he, the, oh, yeah. his start to the season he looked yes. like incapable of hitting major league pitching that would have been a tough conversation but I think Brandon Belt would have said you know what I get it yeah uh, you had question marks about me I was not I healthy might have, I might have had some question marks about me <laughs> and I was really bad at the end of last year and at least you know these we got guaranteed contracts I still get the money right That's a great point <laughs> and they said yeah. Uh, and they would have waved goodbye. Yeah, it's a little tougher conversation with a uh, future Hall of Famer you know, on the short list of greatest Canadian baseball yeah, yeah, players. People from like the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame and the stands rioting. No, not actually, yeah. but yeah, it would be uncomfortable. There's no way to dance around it. So it the it's a real double edged sword that potential move. Like the close your eyes and squint, you could see it right. All mm-hmm. the the feels and everything's great, but it could also end poorly and then gets awkward. It's getting awkward in the AFC East right now because the Buffalo Bills are third. <laughs> well, I know we're going to talk about it in a second here. I'm so excited to talk about the NFL. Oh, my God. What a day of football. Uh, the Bills, I mean, they got defensive injuries. I get it. Uh, how, how come the offense stinks so bad? I got some questions. All right. Uh, we'll have a look back at uh, week nine of the NFL season next. As the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sports at 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Toronto Argonauts playoff football is back, baby. 
Saturday, November 11th, the defending Grey Cup champions, those Toronto Argonauts, facing off against the Montreal Alouettes to carry the Ticats over the weekend. Uh, at BMO Field, 3 p.m. to determine who gets to go to the Grey Cup final in Hamilton. To enter for a chance to win two tickets to check out the action, text today's code word, Kelly, to 59590. Again, today's code word is Kelly. Text it into 59590 right now to enter for your chance to win tickets to Saturday's game. We will be giving away another pair of tickets tomorrow. If you don't win with us, though, you can secure your tickets to Saturday's game at Ticketmaster.ca. All right, to football of the four-down variety oh, now. God, football. It was so good this weekend, Ben. It was very good. So good. Uh, although, they, so there were a, a bunch of marquee games, yeah. and it started with yeah. the, the Germany game, the, the Chiefs and Dolphins, which yeah. looked like a blowout, and you're like, Ugh, well, that stinks. I mean, hopefully the rest of these games are going to live up to the hype. 21-0. Yeah. Dolphins come all the way back and, and have a chance to tie the game mm-hmm. in a final drive. It doesn't great work game. out, but it was an all-around great game. The Raven-Seahawks game was all we had in the 1 o'clock window, and mm-hmm. that was that was not ultra competitive yeah i was uh i was very much looking forward to that although you know in the one o'clock window i'm not gonna pretend i i saw much of it other than through uh, via my via my boy via my boy uh scott hansen on red zone but our boy we were joking with him about it he kind of did have the game in the window charles davis kind of it was absolutely (laughs) like baker mayfield (laughs) takes the lead with 40 some odd seconds left running back kicking oh my god (laughs) cj stroud ends up with the best game ever for a rookie in nfl history with 470 yards and five touchdowns yeah no that was that's pretty good i wrote in my notes and like i'm not answering this question right now but i think this is a question people are asking themselves after that game C.J. Stroud will be a top five quarterback by. Some people will answer that question with a weak number. Mm-hmm. Some people will say next year. Yeah. But, man, the 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 Strouds, not Strouds that man is making, it's, <laughs> uh, it's incredible. He's his uh, second overall selection. So it's totally different than this. But, yeah, it, I mean, if you want to have the negative outlook that, hey, anybody can have an insane game and, and it doesn't mean that you're a franchise quarterback, there's the Matt Flynn game, right? The, the six touchdowns true. And, and one interception. Wouldn't we all love to get paid so well for one day of work? It's pretty good. But that was year three for Flynn, right? Mm-hmm. And he was a seventh-round pick. Like This is entirely different. To me, I viewed that game because, yeah, you only play 17 of them in a season. I viewed yep. it as the start to Scotty Barnes' season for the Rats. Like, mm-hmm. it's now, okay, this is happening. Yep. This is him. This is the player. This is a guy with similar draft pedigree. I mean, we all could have anticipated that CJ Stroud would be pretty I know he lost to Bryce Young a week ago and Bryce Young was back to doing his previous Bryce Young things with a couple of pick six. I actually like to think that they're just, they're friendly and he was just doing him a solid. He's like, you know, I (laughs) know how, I know how life's going to go for me. I'll let you beat me. Everyone will talk you up and then I'll just, I'll completely snatch headlines back next week. Yeah. Texans fans have to be ecstatic. They know the future is bright no matter what. They have the quarterback. They, they did it. They hit on the guy. There was, you know, it's kind of all that matters. Yeah. And Will Levis might be a guy and he was the second rounder. And who yeah. knows what Anthony Richardson is yeah. considering the injury stuff. And I guess the jury is still out on, on Bryce Young. But I, I yeah. think everybody would say that we'd we'd take CJ Stroud at this point in the proceedings. Yes, uh, very much would be would be buying on on that. And again, I we don't need to spend too much time on that game. But a awesome. running back kicked field mm-hmm. a field goal he was kicking off in that game they showed a clip of him i don't know if you saw it warming up in halftime mm-hmm. 
it was one of the worst kicks I've ever seen in my life. It looked, it was a shank, basically. He basically field goal was dead, not straight, though. The field goal was great, and that's why it was awesome. They also, uh, somebody put together a super cut of everyone reacting <laughs> to him making the field goal. And, you know, you got you got Ware there, the, the head coach, who's always, you know, head coaches are always trying to be steely, like, okay, good. Even he had to crack a smile there. The best reaction, though, was Baker Mayfield. He's standing there with his quarterback coach or whatever, and he just has a, like, all right, hey, got to give it to him, man. He's a running back. He kicked a 32 32- <laughs> It was awesome. Uh, and it did make me think never going to happen. Would football, would football be better if the only person allowed to kick on your team was a position player? I don't know how you would enforce that. Like they have to play. Yeah. And they have to play other downs. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, how many, because you could just have a kicker on your team and it would probably be worth doing. Like you could just hide them on like a play. I right? think, well, no, you there'd have to be a snap limit of some sorts. And I think, I don't know, like 25 snaps a game outside of special teams. Let's well, call it, it that. It sounds like you're just saying, get rid of kicking, which I'm, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not. No, no, I'm no, for. no, I don't want to get rid of kicking. I would like to minimize it so that it I mean, is less is... a part of the game, and then I would like it. I, I think part of the problem is is that I I loathe watching the end of a game, and a team is just marching down, and it's like, okay, well, they're inside the 30. It's probably going to game over here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd like it if there were a little more stakes. If you had to get a touchdown, you had to get super close because your kicker is some linebacker whose primary job is stuff in the run or whatever, whatever it is. Like, never going to happen. No chance it happens, but... I don't know. I'd love to see it. I like to make fun of like European athletes who throw out first pitches of baseball yes. games and look ridiculous. And I'm like, oh, throwing a ball. Come on. This I know so it's like good. it's like baseball is, is really I get good. it. It's not it's not a worldwide sport, but like throwing a ball is is something all humans you'd think should be able to do. That being said, I I'm a horrible kicker. Like I oh. I I don't I I think I would be life and death to make a 20 yard field goal. So I don't I don't have any understanding of my ability to kick a field goal, but mm. I I was just out like running around on a football field with my kid and he was like, "Oh, you should kick it." So I punted it. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you. I booted that thing. I don't know if that's easier. But here's the thing. If we did a thing in the NFL, it was like opening kickoff where right. like, oh. like celebrities here's 50 kick, cents. Yeah, kicking off. I think you go through uh, North American celebrities that all look ridiculous. That's, yeah. Bring over European celebrities and it's it's a total, it's, it's a reversal good. of fortune, like this. right? This is good. I, I want to see it now. Next time, <laughs> so next I. time they're in Germany or wherever they are, yeah. I want some like Italian national team member or wherever just booting the daylights out of that thing. Uh, of course, that would be the case. All right, uh, I started with the AFC East because like, it's kind of yeah. Let's talk about stuff that matters outside of banning kickers. I know. I'm I, the it worst. is an interesting I, conversation. I dragged you to hell. I'm no, sorry. no, no, no. I, I, I think that was I know you enjoyed it, but it is my fault. Um, everybody stinks except for mm. maybe the Jets. Jets are on a heater right okay. now, and okay. they got the money. I'll tell you what, Brent, the Jets win against the Chargers tonight. Which is, I mean, they're the Chargers. Uh, so. Of course, <laughs> and the line would suggest that it's uh, nobody's expecting a blowout mm-hmm. either way. Well, obviously not in favor yeah, of the Jets. We're just trying to get by with uh, limited quarterback play, I would say. It's the Bills and the Dolphins are frauds. And I guess the Bills are king frauds because they beat the Dolphins in their one head-to-head mm-hmm. matchup like and beat them soundly. And so they have beaten teams who have above 500 records. The Dolphins have done hold, no such hold thing. Hold on. I, I feel slightly differently about the Dolphins after that, that Kansas City game. Okay. 
the they get the touchdown on the weird Tyreek Hill sure. just stealing the ball from him. Yeah. When we talked about this with, I'm trying to think which team. It, oh, it was the actual Dolphins a couple of weeks ago. I was saying, ah, look at that. You got one of those touchdowns on a pick six. You barely mm-hmm. even score against the Eagles. Yeah, the Chiefs put up two touchdowns against the Dolphins mm-hmm. team that we talk about like they're frauds and nothing. They or the only team to score in the second half of that game. Like I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm more buying the dolphins that after that game, but that game made me have more questions about Kansas city than I would have liked to. Nah, I'm, I'm totally opposite. Okay. With you. Cause I think this, this defense is among the elite in the NFL and we know Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick sure. Mahomes, despite the fact that, yeah, the, the, the weapons on offense are not overwhelming. And I, and I know they they're coming off a loss to the Broncos. Mm-hmm. I, I I get it. And yeah, it's, they're, they're not undefeated this season. Opened up the the year with a, a loss to the Lions. But mm-hmm. I still feel like that that is still a Chiefs team that plays with its food. And it, it, we've also seen them. I mean, the reverse has been true where they've started games like disinterested, and then they get interested and they mm-hmm. come all the way back and win up twenty one nothing. As the defending Super Bowl champions. On a team against a team that can score 14 points in four seconds. Right, but didn't. Not against good teams, they can't. That's not true. They cannot do that against good defenses and good teams. Uh, I... I hear your point about the Chiefs being want to play with their food a little bit, but I would think in a AFC game where you're trying to really establish dominance, yeah, they don't yada. care. No, they're, 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 they're it's Super Bowl champs. If the Dolphins would have won, just flipped the script, and if the Dolphins would have won that exact game in that regard where they ripped it out of nameless receiver acts because none of the Chiefs mm-hmm. receivers outside of Kelsey matter, we would be sitting here going, ah, you know, I like they did win. That wasn't overly convincing. They didn't score any points in the second half. They had to get a touchdown from their defense. I'm just saying, We'd have some. We wouldn't be lauding them uh, quite the same. But that that game made meant way more to the Dolphins than it did for the Chiefs. Yeah, it did. I'm not going to second. I'm not going to argue <laughs> that point of it. I just think that I think that I am not as. I shouldn't say I'm not as bullish on the Chiefs. I obviously am buying the Chiefs to a great degree. I don't like the way we are constantly paper-overing every bad thing that happens to them. Going well, you know, they're the Chiefs. They'll be fine. If it seems like again a loss like that to me, ask some questions. You score two touchdowns against a Dolphins defense. That's fine, but no one sits here talking about them like there's some stalwarts. You got one of your touchdowns on a fluke play. I don't know. Wasn't that impressive to me? Yeah, no, the the Chiefs are the Brady era, era Patriots. That, okay, yeah. well, no, they're, they're... Talk, talk to me when there's four more Super Bowls and they do this in, with two completely different sure. eras. Sure, that's fine. No, I mean, we're early in the tenure, two Super Bowls and uh, three appearances. Yep. Like, that's yeah, okay. Like, they can only win the, the 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 games that they've appeared in, which is every single AFC championship game since Patrick Mahomes has been the quarterback there. Anyway, okay. The AFC East stinks. Yeah. Uh, no, quib- no quibble there. <laughs> Patriots are very bad. The Bills are. Ugh. Yeah. And the Bills have excuses on defense. That, to me, the most frustrating thing has to be how that offense looks. Just like how. For sure. Like Josh Allen does some things and he makes it a game. And I think clearly, like I said, going into this weekend, the pecking order has been reestablished that it's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, despite your quibbles and question marks. I'm not even arguing that the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. I just don't like the way we just give them an excuse for everything bad that happens in a game. They play. No, but that's what happens when you are the defending Super Bowl champs and you've won two. And anyways, and you've appeared. That's what happens when all you've done is make AFC championship sure. games. But anyways, it's Chiefs one. And I don't care. Ravens, like, man, there's lots of reasons to believe in the Ravens, but they have not done it in yeah, the postseason yeah, totally under fair. the Lamar Jackson. It's Bengals too. Like, there's 
I mean, uh, how can you have any debate about the way I Joe Burrow the Bengals is, to win uh, that division a couple weeks ago? So yeah, I'm very here for this. Yeah, I mean, the, the Ravens have a huge lead, right? Like they're, and again, the, the Ravens look like like they're a, a fully formed, functioning totally. team on both sides of the ball and mm-hmm. have a former MVP at quarterback. But we've seen the head-to-head matchups between Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. That is the true rivalry, not just in the AFC and all of the NFL. Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, the Bengals yep. and the Chiefs, that's the best rivalry we've got. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. I know people are going to say, what are you doing? The people of Buffalo are so angry. Ah, it's a three-headed quarterback. No, are master. they? No, are, it's not, a- not now. I think the people in Buffalo are, are, are starting to realize exactly what here. the clear pecking order is. And I think that's the – it's always a tough thing to come to – uh, to come to realization with when you're a fan base like Buffalo who has just wanted a guy as good as Josh Allen for so long, but you are kind of coming to the realization that like Josh Allen for sure is good enough to win a Super Bowl. I yep. don't think anybody's sitting here saying, oh, you could never win with that guy. But when you look at the two-headed monster that is in front of him, and then honestly, you mentioned Lamar, like freak of nature mm-hmm. in his own right, it is just, it is a murderer's row. It's a gauntlet he has to run. And it's not a knock on Allen that he's not as good as Mahomes and, and Burrow, but I don't know how you can look at the games we've seen over and over and over again and say that he is. No, he is not. Um, it's insane. I, so, like, playing quarterback is extremely difficult. No question. I've heard. And, and we've, I, listen, I watched the quarterback series I on talked to, Netflix. I talked to Nathan Rourke about it. That's how I got my Okay. Answer. It seems like there's a lot that goes into playing quarterback. <laughs> and, again, anyone that saw the the – the quarterback series on on Netflix understands how much studying even a guy who's as physically gifted as Patrick Mahomes does on a weekly basis. Um, and you look at the Johnny Manziel documentary in which he watched so no video, and it's not a surprise that he flamed out. But then you have like a Josh Dobbs situation where he doesn't know. He's n- never had a single practice oh rep with any of the receivers. Is thrown into a football game with a – a Vikings team that is like now shockingly above 500 in those two two games against the the Lions in the final three weeks of the season looming large for them. It's it's an incredible story for a guy who we were alerted to the possibility of him ending up in Minnesota by our pal Peter King, who we'll talk to tomorrow. And yeah, that that worked out well in in limited sample. Yeah, he's uh, you know Peter told us last week he wanted to be an astronaut. He's 4.0 guy. All of this stuff. There's the clip that's been going around of him going through his cadence for the first time with his <laughs> offensive line on the sideline, which. I, I guess, you know, you're, you're, you are where you are, but wouldn't you want somewhere quieter to do that? That was the thing that just was confounding to me about it, although I guess game situation. Anyways, the other part about it was he had said he didn't know receivers' names. He said that's for next week. This guy's a baller. How can you have anything other than the utmost respect for this guy? We all saw the game earlier this year where he did what he did against the Cowboys. He looked tremendous. It was the first thing I wrote in my NFL notes for yesterday. Josh Dobb baller how can you have anything other than the utmost respect for that guy yeah a shout out to josh dobbs all right time now for the wake and rake presented by sports interaction your homegrown sports book bet local let's start with the local hockey team the toronto maple leafs at home against their division rival the (laughs) tampa bay lightning after eliminating a two-goal deficit in tampa odds for the first time that's why i'm laughing yeah the leafs (laughs) As is their want, are heavy favorites. Always. Minus 154, (laughs) despite having lost four consecutive. The Lightning plus 125. The total, naturally, six and a half. You have to pay the juice on the over at minus 125. I I like the Lightning and I like the under. Yeah, I wish I felt differently. No, you know what? I... 
I, I'm going to, you need value. Leafs minus one and a half. They're at their worst when they play guilty. That should have happened on Saturday. Yeah. If it doesn't happen tonight, oh boy, get ready for tomorrow's show. So I'm I'm going to zag from you. I know that will shock you. Leafs minus one and a half to get you up to plus 150. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that is generally the theory with this Leafs team. After a bad performance, it's they the come forth with, the, their, they with their own? best. I, I I guess. I mean, they were they were down, despite scoring the first goal in the hockey game, they were happened? down 3-1 pretty quickly. I don't know. And I guess they did bounce back after that Kings game with a, a, a viable performance yep. in Boston against a Bruins team that was missing Charlie McAvoy, mm-hmm. it should be said. But uh, I think this this team is showing us something different. I I, I like the lightning right. on, on plus money. Uh, and then the Monday nighter, the Jets looking to solidify their spot and and be within shouting distance of the top of the AFC East in Los Angeles taking on a Chargers team that is... You know, the Chargers. So, mm-hmm. so naturally, very capable of uh, losing to a Jets team with, without a league average quarterback. The line is the Chargers minus three and a half at home with uh, gangrene plus three and a half naturally. It's total uh, 39 and a half. I, I don't know. I think it's happening for the Jets. I just think they're having one of these miracle runs. And I mean, there's no reason to believe that they, they can't go yeah. into... Los Angeles and beat a Chargers team that has all kinds of weapons, but they're the Chargers. No, I, I like the points in the Jets. That's where I'm at. I was debating getting greedy and going money line, but it's the Chargers. At the very least, they're going to have their hair on fire. Like, even if they win, it's yeah. going to be on a last second field goal or something easy. like that. So, yeah, the plus three and a half at minus 110. I'm with you there, gangrene. Uh, that was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. When we come back, how much regret does Brad True Living have already? We'll talk about that and talk to our uh, pal Frank Cervelli next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.